Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hi, welcome everybody. This is this week's edition of the Louisiana Delta Podcast, Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, excuse me, I'll get the whole title in there. And uh, I've got myself, I'm in Concordia Parish today, RL, is you in Madison? I'm in Madison again today. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, Kylie's, Kylie's off today. She's out today. So, you know, we you just got the two of us to sit here and listen to today. So that's somewhat scary. Cause Kylie, it's too hot to be outside doing a whole lot. Who is it? Uh, hey, did you see that picture I tweeted yesterday of the combine in the dust? Oh, yeah, somewhere, yeah. So, I brought back too many old memories of them old open-top tractors. I guarantee you. Well, he would disappear. You could yes, see him totally. coming one way, and he'd disappear when he'd turn around and go the now, other way. You remember them days when you struggled oh, to yeah. get to the other end, hoping for a crosswind? Oh, yeah. You didn't run into a tree on the other end of the field. I guarantee you. You know, you ever, do you ever uh, run water furs with the wind with the wind behind you? You know, oh, you got to remember, I come out of hill country. Oh, we yeah. have plenty of natural water furs in them hollows. Yeah, your water just ran downhill. I can, it it I ran can, downhill. It wasn't no problem. I can remember going to the other side, of the, all the way to the other side of the field and driving back across to run the water fur so <laughs> you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have the wind behind you. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, it's, it was, it's dry, it's dusty. Uh, I saw them watering. Uh, I was in Catahoula today, too. And Concordia, I've been up coming down here, but I saw them watering beans, uh, beans probably at R5, you know, pretty beans. Yeah. Having to water them, you know, it's turned off yeah. hot and dry. I'm, I'm a little concerned about some of these June beans that were planted behind the flood and behind seep water that are not irrigated, you know. What are they going to do? They're not irrigated hot and dry as it's been the last two weeks. I would be real concerned. Yeah, and and it's going to be hot this weekend. It's going to be dry. I think we're not expecting the rain next week. So I don't know. what. Uh, I don't know. Everybody's corn, we're pretty much done with corn. Are y'all? Corn's pretty much a wrap. Everybody I've talked to or, or you know, seen posts on Facebook, they're through our – We'll be through by the weekend. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much. You're down to individual fields tomorrow, the next day. You know. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> I talked to the elevator in Jonesville today, and uh, they were they were figuring by the weekend. Beans. Uh, uh, talked to a fellow this morning. <coughs> they uh, they finished corn and help by Saturday will have finished their beans. Huh. Now they got quite a bit of cotton, but they going they got a custom picker coming doing that. Yeah, well, um, I know a bunch of gramoxone went out this week on soybeans. Yeah, um, some beans were being cut, but there'll be a whole bunch cut next week. They'll be wide open into soybeans next week. Uh, oh, I think so. Uh, you know, and like you said, last time I looked at forecast, we don't have any rain predicted for a while, so no, it's uh, may get even through these beans without any delay. I hope so. A bunch of, uh, I think, defoliant was going out this week. Uh, there was some 20 acres of cotton in Tinsall. They were supposed to pick it yesterday. I hadn't heard if they picked it or not, but they were 
The growers were talking about picking it yesterday, so uh, I haven't talked to them. I don't think we've since. got anything <coughs> fall on that I'm aware of, uh, but I did talk to several of them, and I mean, it's just right there popping. Yeah. I cut one. I cut a stalk of cotton yesterday out looking, just to show you how hot and dry it is. I cut it yesterday morning, just to, you know, kind of get an idea mm -hmm. look. Fat boy can't stand on his head, you know. But, <coughs> yeah. And got through. I just throwed it up in the back of the truck, and, and I'm thinking this cotton's still a ways away for mm -hmm. you're looking at default. I got picked it up yesterday when I got home. Two of the bowls had already cracked open, and by this morning, I think two-thirds of them were cracked mm -hmm. open, just laying in the back of my truck. Oh, yeah. I was at the station yesterday, and Josh Copes had a whole trailer load of um, cotton, had green leaves on it, that they were going to plant them out, and had it done all in the back of this trailer. They brought it up, cut it, and brought it up there, and just almost every bit of it, it was it was sitting in the edge of the sun was shining on it, and almost yeah. every bit of it was open. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's pretty, I mean, what about the peanuts? Now, we're, we kind of, we missed out on. I one of my peanut men this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, 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 the guy out of Arkansas came down over the weekend. Yeah. And done the, the initial uh, pod blasting. Mm-hmm. And all three producers' fields. Uh, surprisingly, the, the last group that was planted probably is a little further ahead than some of the early ones mm -hmm. we're assuming that probably we're guessing we don't know that some of those earlier planted fields got a little more, more rain on them may have delayed maturity a little bit yeah but they're catching up fast and the ones that were planted last had to be watered a little more because mm -hmm. you know controlled water anyway hopefully plans are is to possibly Recheck that field Monday, mm -hmm. and maybe start digging Monday or Tuesday. Okay. Uh, well, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a podcast a, a not a pod, a video. Yeah, that's my plans. If we can all make connections and everything works, we're gonna try to shoot a little. It'll probably be like a three stage a three stage video because we'll have to watch, you know, try to video them washing, mm -hmm. grading them. Yeah. Uh, and then digging them and then harvesting them or picking them, whatever. I don't know the terminology for peanut. I, I have no idea. They dig peanuts, I think. I don't, or yeah, they, they flip them, them up. And they roll them up in a row there and they, they lay there and dry for a certain number of days. And, and then they got this pool type combine that comes through and actually picks the nuts off the vines or separates the nuts mm -hmm. from the vines. And Does it shell them too? No, it doesn't shell them. <coughs> uh, okay. They have, they, they, have, they have to take them to the shelling plant. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know anything about peanuts. I, I don't either. You know. Hey, they tasted pretty good, the ones I bought. Oh, well, that, that works. You know, hey. Well, um, oh, well, let's, let's talk about it. We're going to swap gears here in just a second. We've harvested everything. We kind of, I guess we're pretty well caught up. Field work's going on. It's just just an average fall day. Everybody's everybody's in a hurry. That's the main thing. Everybody, oh, yeah. Everybody's in a hurry. Oh, I got to throw this in for you go there. Okay. Had a gentleman walked in my office this morning. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, what can we do to stop these guys from burning all this corn stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I said, uh, don't know. Been trying for years. Yeah. He said, man, do they know what they're losing? I said, yep, we've told them. That's it. I mean, there are there are times that you have to burn, and we talked about that in the past. But as a as an everyday, every year rule that I just got to burn it off. Uh, you know, it's all that organic matter you grew. You burn it up. Burn it up. You know. So. Yeah. Anyway, that was just a little quick thought I had. Well, you know, I mean, that's that's what we're here for to share our thoughts. So. Um, but it is dove season is over now we thought we it's coming on time i'm getting some calls uh from uh had one had one day before yesterday had one last week um food plots you know the food world plots. the oh, world yeah. stops when food plots come along you know and i told one is a, is a father and two sons one year they had 10 acres of food plots on their piece of ground they had bought. They were from New Orleans, and they had them a little camp, and it was great. And they had a yard tractor, a little 35-horsepower tractor, and a four-foot bush hog, and a, some little thing they called a scratcher and a spreader. And they were, I said, what are y'all doing? They said, we, we work ourselves to death. I said, yeah, you're, you're no longer, you're not a hunter. They said, what do you mean? You are a forage farmer. You got ten acres of forage for deer. And they're like, huh? Never thought about it like that. <coughs> Excuse me, you got a cough. But it and it's that's the way it is. I mean, you got guys that come from wherever and they're trying to get food plots ready, and they don't have enough equipment. They don't have the right chemicals. They're they got a bag with a pretty a big deer on it. Deer's always got. I ain't seen one with a doe on it yet. They yeah. all got big holes. Oh, yeah, and, and if you'll plant this stuff, you're going to have them this year. Yeah, I mean, they're just, you know. The concept of it is, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, and they, they got all kind of things they're going to plant. Well, you know, but then they have trouble getting the, they have to get trouble getting the ground ready, and then they have trouble getting it planted, and then they don't get a good stand. And then, and this is. I this wonder is, why, you know, when it hadn't rained in four weeks and 100 degree weather. Well, and if they do get well, this, seed won't come up. Well, the thing about it is, the one the call I got last week was they had planted some stuff and uh, we got army worms. I said, yeah, you got army worms. I said, if you're going to plant in August for September, the month of September, <clears throat> you might as well go plant on spraying for army worms twice. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, he oh, said, well, well, we were kind of planning on, do we need to go ahead and spray now? I said, do you have worms yet? And he said, no, we don't have them yet. I said, well, you might want, you might want to wait till you have worms. <laughs> but you're going to have worms. That's just a matter of fact. Uh, That's it. You know. That's it. And That's it. a lot of them, the big thing is, they get to get their corn feeders filled up, you know? Oh, yes. You know. Um, I was guy's <laughs> house uh, farm the other day. <clears throat> His seed tender out there. I said, man, it's mighty late to be going planting corn. He said, ah, this deer corn. Mm -hmm. He had four boxes. Yeah. A corn on his seed tender. He had kept just mm -hmm. to feed deer. <coughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and the thing is. Hunting, hunting has become a big business in our part of the world. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, 
granted, I mean, we are a sportsman's paradise. And our little corner up here of northeast Louisiana is, you got the, the land along the river, the delta. We are a true sportsman's paradise for deer, turkey, ducks, doves. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's, uh, we have some fast, fantastic dove hunting later in, in, in the winter, you know, November and December. And it is, but it's all, like you say, it's big business. Uh, you know, and you and I, I think have talked about this before. These food plots, everybody runs out here in September and plants a food plot, starts putting out corn, and then about mid-January yeah. they quit. Yeah, that deer is on its own to survive through the worst part of the winter, from January to mm-hmm. March when everything greens back up. They don't got them spoiled. Well. well. And Why don't they get the concept of planting about four food plots across the year to where they've got a spring, a summer, a winter, mm-hmm. and a fall? That's it. Food That's pot. you and I. We worked with. We've all worked with uh, hunting clubs, and the ones that are really interested in, we're gonna say healthy deer. Healthy deer make big horns. That, that's that's just what they do. Is they have they have plots. Because really and truly, the wheat, all the wheat is is attractant, you know, yeah. just to draw them out. But, but they feed them. They have clover in the spring. They'll have uh, cowpeas or something or forage soybeans in the summer. Yeah. Different things. Uh, I've seen. I've clover seen rape. come on in the spring. You know, uh. And the thing is, they don't realize that early spring, they're still they're building nutrition is is contributes to horns in the fall. Yeah. Because your horns is what you're looking for. You know. Oh, yeah. But that's, yeah. you know. But here again, they're not forage farmers. They're hunters. And if you get them to be yeah. a forage farm, once you get that to, to them, then the whole mindset changes. Yep. <coughs> yep. So, excuse me. I got this call. I had never thought about deer hunting as forage farmers. I, but I did know years ago when I was doing livestock work, and that mm-hmm. was the concept we I was trying to get across to some guys. You're no longer cattle. You're grass farmers. Yeah, it is. And the cow becomes your combine. That's your harvester. Mm-hmm. Once you got that concept in their mind, it where is. you were growing, putting the time and managing the grass properly, mm-hmm. and then selecting the right harvester. Well, yeah. I mean, Things it's... Things to fall into place for them. Um, I had um, I had one hunting club we worked I worked with this has been several years ago, and we got he he I got to give him credit he's went into it I explained what we were doing just what you said, and we laid it all out, <clears throat> and he uh, he told me. He said, he said, Do you know how much money we spending? Now granted, now this was he had bought this land and it was a good chunk. I mean that we. You know how much money we spend? And I said, yeah, I know how much you spend. And he's like, I said, just bear with him. Well, I, you know, he just killed me. But then the wildlife fishers came through on a survey. He was one of those areas that selected to survey the deer herd. And they came through and they looked and they were looking at the deer and what he had. And, and one, of them, one of those biologists told him, said, well, I'm going to tell you what. It's a good thing that you got all this these food plots and, and we planted like the, he had big wide roads in the woods and we planted them all to vetch and uh, winter peas and stuff, stuff that would reseed itself. And uh, 
He said, it's a good thing you got all this. Your deer be starving to death. After that, I didn't, he didn't care about what it cost, you know. And and I talked to him a couple years after that, and he said his body weights had gone up. Yeah. You know, his horns necessarily hadn't got bigger, but the, his, his deer herd was healthier. So, but anyway, all right, leading into that, we got, Kylie went, uh, I think she got Ashley Long, Dr. Ashley Long, the, um, our wildlife biologist for the Ag Center. And she's got her on the interview, and we're going to listen to that and uh, see what she's got to say. And then we'll come back and talk some more after that. Okay, good deal. Looking forward to what Ashley's got to say. Um, Welcome to today's episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. I'm joined over the phone with our wildlife extension specialist, Dr. Ashley Long. Um, welcome, Ashley. Let's begin with you introducing yourself. Yeah, thanks so much, Kelly. I appreciate the opportunity and the invitation uh, to be here with you this morning. Um, just a little bit about myself. I'm still a relatively new assistant professor of wildlife ecology um, and a wildlife extension specialist with the Ag Center. Uh, I've been here uh, for a little over a year and a half now. Um, I'm based out of Baton Rouge, um, and for those of you who are familiar with the campus, my office is actually um, in the School of Renewable Natural Resources building uh, right here on the LSU main campus. So, Awesome. Are, are you from Louisiana originally? I'm not. <laughs> Maybe you can tell from the accent. Uh, so I'm originally from up north. Um, I, I grew up right on the border between Wisconsin and Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um but I was most recently in Texas. So before I got to LSU, I was over at Texas A&M University. Okay. Um, and I had I, w- I went there to, uh, to school there for my PhD, mm-hmm. um, and I was doing work there with an en- endangered songbird. Um, and after I graduated, I started on as a research scientist with the Texas A&M Natural Resources Institute. Yeah, so you've um, always been involved in wildlife. That's been your passion, so... Yeah, you know what, um, I didn't even know that this was a job you could really have when I got started, uh, and I got interested in wildlife because of just a fantastic teacher. Uh, he was really passionate about his work, and he took us on a ton of field trips, um, and when I was done with undergraduate, I just really wanted to learn more and, and to make this a career, and, and I'm super happy I did. I absolutely love my job. Awesome. Um, something we're, new every day. <laughs> we're glad to have you here. Um, well, the first thing I want to cover this morning, and, and this is something that a lot of people are doing right now, and that is planting their deer food plots. So what can you share with us about, you know, what steps maybe we need to be thinking about, uh, what we need to plant, anything that will help us have a successful plot this season? Yeah, it is a it is that time of year, right? And I guess the the first thing maybe to talk about is um, that you know there's really no cookie cutter plan that's going to work in all situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I really think the first thing that people might want to consider is whether or not they actually need a food plot to meet their management objectives. Okay. So you know if you have native vegetation on your property, it's always going to be better for the deer. It's super nutritious. So if that's already plentiful, you might not have to plant any supplemental forages. Um, so if you've got, you know, trees that are producing, you've got a lot of shrubs, um, that type of thing, uh, you may be okay without doing any kind of uh, supplemental food plot. Mm-hmm. 
Um, um, if you were planning one, what what would you suggest, though? Yes. So if, if you decide that you're going to go ahead and you're going to put out a food plot, there are some steps that you can take mm-hmm. in general. Um, and the first thing, and you'll see this across all of the recommendations, if you go online and read stuff or you look at booklets, the first thing uh, is, is to get your soil tested. Uh, and they're going to focus particularly on that pH. Um, and, 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 and in particular, you know, that soils in the southeastern United States tend to be acidic, and so they're going to require some kind of modification to that to adjust the pH levels. Um, so the first thing is, is going to be to get your soil tested. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, you know, being in this region, we do plant a lot of, lot of food plots. You know, it's a lot of farm ground up here with a lot of CRP. Um, you know, if we're buying seed, can you make any suggestions on, you know, what type of vegetation we might want to plant? Yes, so there are um, typical plants you can uh, look into Mm -hmm. putting in. So a simple mix, if you're going for something, includes something like wheat, oats, and clover. Uh, You could also include something like winter peas. Um, And it's just really going to depend on, you know, when you start planting, Uh uh, what kind of plants you already have on your property, um, you know, how much money you want to invest in it, Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of um, uh, pest species might be there that you have to take into account. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I think the the biggest thing is, you know, you don't want to throw it all in there. (laughs) So if you can resist the urge to throw it all in there, you know, two to four species is enough. Um, And uh, really what's cool about food plots, Mm -hmm. um, what's fun about food plots is that all of them are kind of like mini experiments, right? So you're, oh, yeah. you're putting out a, a mini experiment on your property. Um, and, and once you implement it, once you come up with whatever combination it is that you want to put on your property in oh. every, any given year, you want to make sure that you're testing and refining your strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the I guess the biggest thing there is that, you know, there are a bunch of different options there. You can do a, a, a bunch of different combinations. Um, but But you really want to think about it like an experiment okay. and, and modify as you go. Okay, so why wouldn't you want to put a whole bunch of stuff out there? What's your reason behind that? Well, you know, you from a simplification standpoint, like you want to know what's working and what's not. Okay. Um, and, and so if you're trying to decide what different plants to use moving down it and you've got too much stuff in there, you don't know what um, they the deer are actually going after mm-hmm. um, and, and what they're not. So simplifying it allows you to, you know, test preferences and see what's working and what isn't. The other is sometimes you can end up having certain plants that are going to outcompete the other plants mm-hmm. in your food pot. So adding the additional plants uh, may not be doing any good in terms of growth. Okay. Well, um, another big issue in our region is the CWD. Um, right. Let's talk about that. Where are we at with that? Um, what, you know, what is LSU doing as far as research? What What is it? Um, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, well, to start out with, just in general, um, CWD hasn't been detected in Louisiana yet. Um, there are several things that are going on that are being done um, as a matter of caution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just in general, uh, information on chronic wasting disease. So it's a, it's a disease that affects the nervous system in cervid. So things like white-tailed deer, mule deer, uh, elk, moose, those types of animals. 
Um, and it's in a group of diseases, it's called the transmissible spongiform encephalopathies, which is a, a big word, yeah. right, that, that basically means that the deer get this disease and their, uh, their brains turn into a wholly sponge-like material. Um, it's caused by uh, things called prions, uh, which are misfolded proteins, and they get in there and then they replicate and they uh, interrupt. And, and basically degrade the nerve cells. Um, and what happens to the deer is it, it, basically that it eliminates the nervous system functions. And and so you'll see things like emaciation uh, or poor body condition. Um, they might have decreased activity, uh, these blank expressions. They'll drink a lot, urinate a lot, salvation, uh, grinding their teeth, um, and, and eventually ends up in death. Um, and so we don't have a, a cure for it. Um, there isn't anything that we can do other than manage for it on the ground. And so it is a big deal. Um, it, it's been spreading over time. We've now got it in 26 states, I think three Canadian provinces now. Uh, so, um, again, not detected yet in Louisiana, but it's something we need to keep our eye on. If you see a suspicious animal that you think has this, what, you know, what do you need to do? Yeah, so you really should, um, you know, don't attempt to touch it or, or, or move it in any kind of way. Uh, you need to document the animal's location, contact uh, the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, and they'll come out and obtain a sample from it. Um, you know, we need to be on the lookout and, and helping the uh, state agencies, uh, you know, get samples and test it so that we can identify it if it does get into the state and then manage for it. So, you know, the best thing to do is, is call LDWF and have a game warden or wildlife biologist come out. Okay, and how is this disease spread? If it's in the soil, is that correct? So it can be in the soil. So um, it's spread um, uh, by direct or indirect contact with saliva or urine or feces. Um, and it, it can get into the soil and can be picked up by other animals um, during foraging. Uh, but, you know, those prions that are in the environment... Um, are, are making it so that it can transfer from one animal to the other. So if you have high congregations mm -hmm. of deer, for example, you have a higher probability of spread because they're coming into contact with each other's bodily fluids more and there are more bodily fluids in the environment. So um, th that's, that's the primary way that it's spread okay. by contact. Though it can, it can also be spread um, from the mother to their offspring. Oh, okay. that, that's another route. I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, um, you know, that's the main two questions that I really had. So, I mean, if there's any other research that you're doing um, that you think would be, you know, our listeners would like to know about, you know, you have the floor to kind of share that with us right now. Yeah, I do. Um, there are a couple of things in terms of state regulations okay. um, that are coming into effect that do have to do specifically with, um, chronic wasting disease and trying to prevent spread in Louisiana. So if you have a, a couple minutes to talk about that, I think um, highlighting those changes and making people aware of them would be a, a, a good yeah. idea. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Cool. Well, the first one, um, and people have probably seen this in the news uh, uh, quite a bit lately, um, they have banned the use of natural deer urines, so not synthetics, um, but those natural deer urines, unless they're produced um, under a specific uh, standards and have a specific sticker on the label. 
Um, so people who are using the natural deer, deer, deer urine, those lures, that sticker on the bottle needs to say that it um, was produced under the Archery Trade Association Deer Protection Program and certified to be tested, and it says right on the sticker, CWD not detected. Okay. Um, and so if you're going to use the natural uh, deer urine, um, it has to have that sticker on the bottle. So it can't be the bottle is in the uh, truck and you have um, some of the, you know, some people spread it out among bottles, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to have the original bottle with you and it has to have that trade association standard sticker uh, with the CWD not detected. Okay. Um, And that, again, is, is prevention measure in relation to CWD. The other thing is that they most recently included Louisiana lands east of the Mississippi River, um, so in East Carroll, Madison, and Tensaw parishes, in the cervid carcass ban. And so basically what that means is that, you know, we're trying to keep that neurological tissue from continuing to spread prions in the environment. So they don't, you know, want you to bring the carcasses um over, but there are tons of exceptions with that. So, like, you can bring meat that's cut and wrapped or meat that's been boned out or antlers or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, but they don't want that neurological tissue. So, if you have any questions about those things, either the, the deer urine ban or um, where you should and should not be moving carcasses uh, around, I would definitely suggest taking a look at the updated 2019-2020 um, LDWF hunting regulations for this season. Okay, all right, and that and you that can be found on the website, I'm, I assume. Yeah, so you can, yep, you can go right to the LDWF's website. Um, you can Google it uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they have a link to it or Twitter. Uh, so the information is out there um, and and available mm-hmm. uh, if you want to take a look before the next season starts. Okay, well. Um, well, we appreciate you being on today's episode, Dr. Ashley, and, and sharing all that good information with us. And, you know, we hope to get you again on here soon. So thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Yeah, thanks so much. You have a good day. Thanks. That was pretty, that was pretty good. What did you think of it? It was really good. Uh, real good information there. Yeah, well, that's what, and it's all pertinent. It's that time of year. We're trying to, we try to do what we always said. We're trying to be ahead of things food plot planting time is coming up we're trying to be ahead give some people some information so got a question of the week for you all right okay looked at this cornfield this morning I'm driving down the road I mean, I'm not gonna tell you where it was but I'm driving down the road this cornfield got green streaks in it now it's been harvested and this okay. is the volunteer that's coming up it's about I don't know five, six inches tall, maybe. It was, it was one of the first fields cut. I know the field. I knew it. Got green streaks in it. They're nice and even, and they're nice and regular. What is that? Nice and straight, you said? Nice and straight. They're spaced just like you had a GPS. Sound like to me. <clears throat> they're coming up in rows, in rows, just like it, like, Mm-hmm. Where the corn was uh-huh. planted, sounded like to me there was too much nitrogen put out, and the corn is harvesting that reserve nitrogen or excess nitrogen right now. Yep, that's that's exactly what I thought, and uh, I think that's 
that that's that's what it was. I mean, it's just that's the excess nitrogen was in the ground. That's and, it. Um, and they made a pretty good crop on it. You know, it wasn't a <clears throat> it wasn't a bin buster, but it was it was a good crop. But you know, we've you and I did some work with Dr. Tabanya years ago, and you. It didn't take near as much corn, uh, much nitrogen to make a good corn yield as everybody thought. That's it. But you, we never could convince them of it. No, and uh, and and I talked to the grower about it, and uh, we talked about reference strips for next year, and he said, "Now I don't want my corn to run out." I said, "Well, I'm not. All I'm gonna say is, we're gonna put a reference strip, a two X rate, and if nothing else, you can look at it and say." The reference strip is dark green, and my corn is dark green. You know, I might not need that extra 30 units of nitrogen. That's it. And saves you money, application cost, because most of the time it's flown on, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's a last shot of urea is flown on. And But it also, I said on the flip side, now if that corn is real dark green and yours is kind of pale looking, you might need some more. It's, it's a, I might need some more. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, there's also other benefits in there too, but. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I was contacted the other day by a young man. Got, you know, of course, everybody's yields is off this year as a general rule due to the weather conditions. But he had some really bad spots in a few fields, you know, compared <coughs> to the rest of the field. It, it, it really brought out the worst in the fields this year, I reckon, is the way to put mm-hmm. it. And, he wants to look at soil sampling, seeing what's wrong, seeing what's going on, and we're going to be looking at looking at his yield maps, trying to identify those high, low, and medium yielding areas mm-hmm. in the field, and then try to do some sampling by what his yield maps are showing and creating some zones and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brady's going to be really short on some P and K. Yeah. Probably some sulfur, magnesium, uh, and it's going to be really expensive to bring it back up. So instead of doing a shot, of the, you know, a, a blanket application across the whole field, hopefully we'll be able to identify those worst areas in the field and, and really target them pretty mm-hmm. hard and heavy this coming year and, and try to start bringing them back up, knowing it's going to take several years to replace what's been mined out of that soil because yeah folks just typically don't think about putting p and k out in this part of the world well for a long time it was always said you don't need it but i yeah. think i think the i think a large part of it is the varieties they're breeding now they need they don't mind they don't scavenge or mine the soil for nutrients as well as the old varieties did Right. And I think they're they're they need more ready access to it. And of course yep. now the new varieties produce way higher yields than the old ones. Right. I mean, also goes back to what we said earlier too about burning. When you yeah. burn it, you lose in nitrogen. Yeah. The P and K will stay as long as the wind don't blow it off. Well, you have pretty good winds this time of the year yeah. right after we get through burning. Yeah. So uh, and you know, and but yeah. This, I'm not. I don't know. Fire's always bothered me a little bit. You yeah. Know, I just even fire yeah. just just bothers me a little bit. So anyway, well, we'll. Uh, this is a good time, and I know everybody's trying to wrap up harvest, and 
wanting to go hunting, but they need to need to either look at those yield maps or have somebody look at them and and, mm-hmm. and, and create them some sample plans, you know, before they do get in a bind. Well, and that's that's a good thought, and and I'll be will if I make a little note where I can stick it up here and have your name and phone number and email and just like send to you. Is that would that be okay? You're not Did saying. Oh, you're not saying anything. Well, I just was, you know, pointing that out that you know. But it is seriously, you can't. As an individual grower, you got too many fields to look That's at it. yourself. Get somebody to look at them. We'll be glad to look at one. And I repeat, one. You know, because we've yeah. been down that road where one turned into ten. Yeah. But um, we get we get one. We'll look at one field and show you what to look for and how to how to do it. But there's plenty of services and people that can do it. Uh, yeah. But it is you're you're riding across the field. I know of very few combines or pickers that don't have a yield monitor. It's simple to record. It's it's as you've said in the past. It's your scorecard. How well did I do? That's it. And so that's it. You paid for it. Let's use it. So that's it. But. They do not realize the world of information they are recording on that little box sitting up in the cab with them mm-hmm. that can benefit them if they would take a little bit of time yep. and look at it. That's it. It's it's good stuff. So, All right. Now we browbeat everybody. Let's just, well, I guess we need to go. Uh, you got anything else? I, Kylie's not here for any events coming up. I don't know anything coming up, really. Other than that, uh, Beef Kettle Field Day, what, the 19th of September? Yeah, I think it's then. That's over at Goldmine. And over at Goldmine, over in Franklin Parish. So. Yeah, south of Mangum, out in there somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah everything's kind of wrapping up, yeah. getting close. Yeah, well, it's, you know, coming on toward the end of the year. So, All right, well, as always, y'all uh, leave us a review, listen to, become subscribed to our podcast our Twitter feed, uh, go watch our videos. We got a new one out with uh, Dr. Donnie Miller and Kylie. We're talking about defoliating cotton, timing on it. So, you know, leave us. You know, we're going to have to watch Kylie. She's getting too good at this. Mm-hmm. They replaced Vanna White or somebody for long on. Well, you, you never know. We just. Never know. You never know. We, you know, and well, she may just replace us. She may get somebody <laughs> else from. You know, said I can do this. And we'll get somebody else. No, she reminds me how much older I am than her all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, she may be bucking for my job. I'm telling you, you know, just just put putting you out there and putting you out to pasture. Hey, she ain't here today, so we can throw her under the bus. That's right. That's and right. back up over a couple of times. <laughs> That's it. But hopefully, she'll be back next week, and uh, we uh, we we think we got a. We got a real good guest, I think, next week, and we're going to talk to, and we'll we'll leave it at that. And uh, y'all, stay tuned. Listen to us. Send us something if you want to hear. Send us a question of the week. We kind of run out on those sometimes. So send us yep. something. All right. See y'all next week. See y'all next week. Right. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.